Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 13, verses 51 to 58, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 13, verses 51 to 58. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simeon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. The first thing which we ought to notice in these verses is the striking question which our Lord winds up the seven wonderful parables of this chapter. He said, Have you understood all these things? Personal application has been called the soul of preaching. A sermon without application is like a letter posted without an address. It may be well written, rightly dated, and duly signed, but it is useless because it never reaches its destination. Our Lord's inquiry is an admirable question of real heart-searching application. Have you understood? The mere form of hearing a sermon can profit no man unless he comprehends what it means. He must just as well listen to the blowing of a trumpet or the beating of a drum. He might just as well attend a Roman Catholic service in Latin. His intellect must be set in motion and his heart impressed. Ideas must be received into his mind. He must carry off the seeds of new thoughts. Without this, he hears in vain. It is of great importance to see this point clearly. There is a vast amount of ignorance about it. There are thousands who go regularly to places of worship and think they have done their religious duty, but never carry away an idea or receive an impression. Ask them when they return home on a Sunday evening of what they have learned, and they cannot tell you a word. Examine them at the end of the year as to the religious knowledge they have attained, and you will find them as ignorant as the heathen. Let us watch our souls in this matter. Let us take with us to church not only our bodies, but our minds, our reason, our hearts, and our consciences. Let us often ask ourselves, What have I got from this sermon? What have I learned? What truths have been impressed on my mind? Intellect, no doubt, is not everything in religion, but it does not therefore follow that it is nothing at all. The heart is unquestionably the main point, but we must never forget that the Holy Spirit generally reaches the heart through the mind. Sleepy, idle, inattentive hearers are never likely to be converted. The second thing which we ought to notice in these verses is, is the strange treatment which our Lord receives in his own country. 
he came to the town of Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and taught in their synagogue. His teaching, no doubt, was the same as it always was. Never a man spoke like this man. But it had no effect on the people of Nazareth. They were astonished, but their hearts were unmoved. They said, Isn't this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? They despised him because they were so familiar with him. They took offense at him, and they drew from our Lord the solemn remark, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Let us see in this history a melancholy page of human nature unfolded to our view. We are all apt to despise mercies if we are accustomed to them and have them cheap. The Bibles and religious books, which are so plentiful in England, the means of grace of which we have so abundant in supply, a preaching of the gospel which we hear every week, all, all are liable to be undervalued. It is mournfully true that in religion, more than anywhere else, familiarity breeds contempt. Men forget the truth that truth is truth however old it may sound, and despise it because it is old. Alas, by so doing they provoke God to take it away. Do we wonder that the relations, servants, and neighbors of godly people are not always converted? Do we wonder that the parishioners of eminent ministers of the gospel are often their hardest and most impenitent hearers? Let us wonder no more. Let us mark the experience of our Lord at Nazareth and learn wisdom. Do we ever imagine that if we had only seen and heard Jesus Christ, we would have been his faithful disciples? Do we think that if we had only lived near him and been eyewitnesses of his ways, we would not have been undecided, wavering, and half-hearted about religion? If we do, let us think so no longer. Let us observe the people of Nazareth and learn wisdom. In the last thing which we ought to notice in these verses is the ruinous nature of unbelief. The chapter ends with the fearful words, He didn't do many miraculous works there because of their unbelief. Behold, in this single word, the secret of the everlasting ruin of multitudes of souls. They perish forever because they will not believe. There is nothing in earth or heaven that prevents their salvation. Their sins, however many, might all be forgiven. The Father's love is ready to receive them. The blood of Christ is ready to cleanse them. The power of the Spirit is ready to renew them. But a great barrier interposes. They will not believe. You will not come unto me, says Jesus, that you might have life. John 5.40 May we all be on our guard against this accursed sin. It is the old root sin which causes the fall of man, cut down in the true child of God by the power of the Spirit, it is ever ready to bud and sprout again. There are three great enemies against which our God's children should daily pray. Pride, worldliness, and unbelief. Of these three, none is greater than unbelief. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we've heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.